You guys ready today? Are you ready? Are you ready for what God has for you? Just look at your neighbor right now and say, neighbor, God has something good for me. Right? Now, look at your other neighbor and say, my second favorite neighbor, God has something good for you. Come on. I didn't look at you first, but it doesn't mean God doesn't love you. You know what I'm saying? Just get your Bible then. Turn with me wherever your, wherever your scripture is. If it's digital, if it's analog, um, I would love for you to bring a real Bible that you can mark in and a real notepad. But get your Bible and turn with me to 2 Timothy, everybody. 2 Timothy. Um, today... I am really excited about the word the Lord has given us today, uh, and it's from 2 Timothy. Now, most of you would know uh, Timothy is one of the pastoral, there are three pastoral epistles, three pastoral letters uh, in, the, in the Bible, but come on, somebody, just because it's a pastoral epistle doesn't mean it's not in your Bible. It's for you, too. Are you with me? It's not just for me. It's for you. Um, Titus, Timothy 1, Timothy 2, 1st, 2nd Timothy, and Titus. Titus was more involved in the church of Corinth. Timothy was the pastor of Ephesus. Um, and honestly, the, the book of, you know why I love the book of 2nd Timothy? Because it talks about, you know, you know, fighting your fight and, and, and all that kind of stuff. Do you know why I love the book of 2nd Timothy? It is the, it's the last writing of the apostle Paul. It's the last letter he wrote. To me, that's important stuff. I'm not trying to make it more important than anything else in the Bible. I'm just telling you why I love the book of 2 Timothy. Are you with me? Um, and so Paul is in prison. It's his second stint in prison. Come on, somebody. You follow God, you could end up in jail. I don't know. Um, anyways, Paul is in prison again. He's in a Roman prison. He understands this is, this is going to be the end. He said, I'm being poured out as a drink offering, you know, all those things. And he is writing to his son in the faith, his mentee. He is the mentor. And he is encouraging Timothy. And today I want to encourage you the way Paul encouraged Timothy. Uh, and so we're going to read together from 2 Timothy. We're just going to read a few verses here, about, about five verses together. Um, starting at verse 3. Starting at verse 3, he said, I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience. Come on, somebody. Thank the Lord for his grace today because of grace. You don't serve God with a pure conscience because you're good enough. You serve God with a pure conscience because he's good enough. Right? Did you read the verse about how the blood of Jesus cleanses our conscience? You don't cleanse your own conscience. God does it. That's a good sermon. I don't have time to preach it. As my fathers did, as without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers night and day. I thought about this for a minute. I thought, man, how good it was to have the Apostle Paul praying for you night and day. Right? And then I thought, well, how good it is to have Jesus Christ interceding for you night and day because that's what the word of God says is happening for you right now. How many know he's one up from Apostle Paul? You know, he's got to be at least one up. He's the son of God, everybody. And the Holy Spirit making intercession to you. You got the Holy Spirit praying for you. You got Jesus praying for you. And if you're lucky, you may have granny praying for you. Are you with me? Greatly desiring to see you being mindful of your tears that I may be filled with joy. So, so why is he writing this letter? He's writing this letter just, just so you know. The first part of 2 Timothy is, is really about his calling. It's about calling, standing in your calling, fulfilling your calling. The second part is about corruption and the overarching appeal of the letters he wants Timothy to come to. So that's why he says, I'm greatly desiring to see you being mindful of your tears that I may be filled with joy. Verse 5, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, 
which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. If you're pregnant looking for baby names, there's you too. If you got a baby girl on the way, Lois or Eunice or Una Lois or whichever. I am persuaded, I'm persuaded this faith is in you also. By the way, that Greek word persuaded is an, it's an intense, I'm convinced, right? I am convinced. Verse 6, therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Now, I don't have time to preach it, but we don't talk about it much more in church because it makes people nervous. But the writer of Hebrews says there's a doctrine called the laying on of hands, that there's actually spirits, uh, the, the Holy Spirit, gifts of the Spirit are imparted and stirred up through prayer and through the transferring power of the anointing of God when two believers uh, come together in prayer. Are you with me? We don't talk about it. It's a whole doctrine. In fact, in fact, the writer of Hebrews calls it an elementary doctrine. And a lot of people in the church, if you tried, if you even tried talk about it, they'd be like no no that's freaky what you doing no no it's really Paul said when I laid my hands on you the Holy Spirit did a supernatural work right that's why we have prayer at the end not not to be weird but we're trying to to join with you and pray that's why usually that prayer at the end someone will put a hand on your shoulder or they'll hold uh, clasp a hand with you our prayer teams do that because we believe where two or three is agree, agree is touching anything God's in the midst God's going to move and there is power when we come together and that's what Paul talks about I'm not going to preach about it but there's a lot of good sermons in these there's a lot of good sermons in this book y'all Verse 7, this is where we're going to spend our time. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. Let's say that together. Let's just read it together. For God has not given us, but, and, amen. I want to talk to you today with the time that I have left, just a few minutes here. I, and we don't believe that, do we? Anyways, I want to talk to you for the next hour and a half. That's more believable, isn't it? I want to talk to you about conquering your fear conquering your fear. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this time we have come and the Holy Spirit is here. Holy Spirit, you are here and we want you to guide us. We want you to lead us. We want to encounter you as we've encountered you in worship. We want to hear your voice. We want to hear your voice. God, I pray that no person would leave today without a word from you. And God, I just believe that as the word of God goes forth, it will accomplish what you, it will not return void, but it will accomplish what you have desired and sent it to accomplish. And today, God, fear doesn't have a chance in this room. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. I, I, you know, as I told you, the way God is moving in our church and God is moving and church is growing and prayer meetings are growing and they're becoming more powerful and God is doing so many wonderful things. And that song we sang today was just resonating. Like, when did I, when did I start to believe you weren't sufficient for me? When did, when did I start making excuses for not seeing miracles? And, and God has really been convicting me of that, of like, man, this isn't about doing church. This is about taking over the world. This is about changing people's lives. This is about seeing the possible, possible, and the miraculous. And that is, God has not called us to be natural people with rah-rah good answers. He's called us to be anointed people empowered by the Holy Spirit that go into the kingdom of darkness and pillage and plunder and the gates of hell doesn't drive us back, doesn't stop us, but we take over. Come on, somebody. He said, on this rock, I will build a church and the gates of hell. Well, I will. I just want to preach, don't you? Y'all are just pulling the preach out of me. This must be the Pentecostal service. I don't know what's happened. 
And God is moving, and, and, and so I'm not really speaking in series every week. I just meet with God and say, God, what, this is what God, he said, I want you to meet with me. I want you to just talk about whatever I tell you. So it's just different, but I'm excited. It's, it's fun for me because I have to trust God because I don't know what I'm preaching next week, and that's weird for me. But this week he said, the assignment is fear. He said, my people are plagued with fear. The world is plagued with fear. And I got to thinking about it because, you know, I told you, Jan, I was watching that show about the people in the 1800s. Well, in the 1800s, you could get a cut and die because of, you know, an infection because there was medication for it. And now we would never, even though obviously people can die of infection, uh, but usually it's compounded by a lot of other things. Today, if, in other words, today, if you step on a nail, we're not going to say, well, this is the end. We're going to get a tetanus booster and some antibiotics and, and remember to wear shoes. Are, are you with me? Are, everybody, you know what I'm saying? And, but I just thought about all the things that are going on in our world. And since COVID, it is like a baptism of fear came into the world. And, um, and I'm not saying, and I'll talk about this in a minute. I'll talk about the difference between wisdom and fear. We'll talk about that in a minute. I'm not saying there's not a place of wisdom. I'm not saying we shouldn't be wise. I'm just saying I'm watching people controlled by fear, plagued by fear, and tormented by fear. We're fearful about China, and we're fearful about another pandemic or another virus. We're fearful about bank collapses in the economy, and we're, and I mean, you just kind of go through, and we are just fearful about, it's like the, I'm serious, when COVID came in, it was like a, to me, a baptism of fear, and, and I feel like the Lord wants to speak to it, and I want to try to help us today understand some things. You know, I was thinking about this. In scripture, and, and I read a, a something one time, like a meme or something on social media, and it said, you know, uh, the phrase fear not is in the Bible 365 times. That's one promise for every day of the year. Now, if, if you love that and you have that pinned on your social, your, if that's on your Pinterest, you know, something, or your refrigerator, wherever it is, I don't want to burst your bubble, but I, you can't find 365 fear nots in the Bible. And and I don't, I don't mean that bad. Like, just listen to what I'm about to say. And here's the truth. You don't need that. You just need one promise. You don't need 365. One promise of God is all you need. If God said it once, he meant it. If he said it once, he has the power to complete it and perform it. And so you don't need three. If you're fearful today, you don't need 365 fear nots. You just need one. Are you with me? But uh, having said that, do not be afraid or fear not is in the Bible. Now, the word fear is in the Bible about 470-something times, depending on your version, almost 500 times. And the phrase, don't be afraid or fear not, is in the Bible 135 times. And it is probably one of the most frequent phrases that you see in the Bible is fear not. And I thought, that's interesting, God, you know, because I was going to do all the math. I'm like, you know, I've heard this 365. I don't think it's in there at all. So I'm going to go and I've got a Bible program and I started working on it. I'm like, man, I can't even get close to 365. But without a doubt, there's 135. And then I thought, God, I don't know any other because he says fear not. In other words, it's not a suggestion. It's a commandment. Not a suggestion, commandment. And I said, God, that is in there so much. Why is that in there? I felt like the Holy Spirit said, he said, because, because fear is one of the greatest tactics of the enemy. Fear, and, he, and, and this is what I feel like everybody in the Bible dealt with fear just about. Joshua dealt with fear. Abraham dealt with fear. Moses dealt with fear. David dealt with fear. Solomon felt, I mean, all of them dealt with fear. And what I realized between wherever you are and wherever God has called you to be, there is fear you're going to face. Because the devil does what the devil does. Because we are humans and humans are as humans are. Right? We're all kind of the same, aren't we? 
And so between where you are and where God wants you to be is the fear you're going to have to face. Between where you are and what God has for you is the fear you're going to have to face. Between where you are and how God wants to use you, your purpose, destiny, calling, whatever it is, is the fear that you're going to have to face. And that's why God continually says, fear not. Do not be afraid. Because what we're when, when Paul is talking to Timothy, Timothy is anointed by God, called to be a pastor. He's pastoring a very influential church, which is Ephesus. It's a wealthy church. It's a port city. But it's also a stronghold of the enemy. There's major idolatry and idol worship in Ephesus. And so there is a spiritual war going on in Ephesus, everybody. And what Paul talks about, he's talking about, he's like, Timothy, you're pulling back from the calling of God. You're pulling back from what, how God wants to you. You're pulling back from the way God wants to work in your life and what God wants to do through you. And that's why he said, you need to understand God has not given you a spirit. Don't, don't, don't pull back. Don't let the enemy gain control. If you think about it, just about, I mean, as I said, so many people in, in the Bible dealt with fear. And you think about even, even, you know, Moses dealt with fear and Timothy dealt with fear and the children of Israel. Remember this, children of Israel. Think about this. This is crazy if you think about it. They come out of Egypt and God takes them to the Red Sea. And then God drowns the strongest military force in the world in the Red, in the Red Sea. And then they, you know, several weeks later, they get to the border of the promised land. The 12 spies go in, 10 come back and say, there are giants. And the same people that watched the greatest military force in the history of the world up until that time, drowned in the Red Sea, said, let's go back because there's giants. And they were afraid. In fact, it's funny how they would say, because they'd want to turn back and they'd say, let's go back. <laughs> Let's go back to our onions and our leeks. And that's what fear will do. Fear will take you back to onions and leeks when God's promised you milk and honey. And there's milk and honey, there's got to be peanut butter. You just got to do the math, people. I know there's grape jelly because there are grapes. All right, are you with me? Did you know, and I think this is good as a study in this, I, I, I realized something I never realized because I thought, you know, Jesus, because I don't want you, feel, if you're afraid today, you don't feel bad. Don't feel bad. Don't feel condemned about that. I want you to understand we all deal with it. And I want you to understand something else. Jesus dealt with fear. And in fact, I found it in the Bible, Luke twenty two forty four. it says, being in agony, this is in the Garden of Gethsemane right before he's arrested, being in agony, he prayed more earnestly and then the sweat became like drops of blood falling to the ground. It's hematohydrosis. It's a medical condition. But it said being in agony. That word agony in the Greek actually means anxiety produced by fear. And so he was so overcome with the emotion of fear, understanding what's, what's about to happen and not understanding at the same time what it would be like to endure it. He, he is so overcome with fear. Now, one commentator said this, and I think is a good point. He said the fear he experienced was more of an emotional fear, and he didn't pull back, but he pressed through. So I think we all know that Jesus went to the cross, everybody, and won, right? Defeated everything, right? Won every victory right there. Are you with me? But the point is we have a great, we have a great high priest who in every way was tempted such as us and experienced the things that we experienced. And if we're afraid today and we're dealing with fear today, you need to understand the Savior of the world knows exactly how that feels. And he knows what it is 
to win. And you know why it's important when you follow Jesus? Because you follow somebody that knows how to win. Because if you follow somebody that knows how to win, they can help you win. Always follow winners. Are you with me? I guess I do need to say this, and I guess this is true. Because the question would be, well, will kitten some fear be good? Well, there is good fear. Let me explain. I mean, Proverbs even kind of talks about this. You see calamity coming and you, you, you take cover, essentially. That's wise, right? So the truth of the matter is, like, yeah, if you see a, a tornado coming and you choose to get in, you know, a shelter, then that was a good fear because you had a respect, right? Like, this could be bad, right? If you see a snake and you choose to go the other way, that's a good fear because that, that could hurt you. Now, this is the time I'm going to say this. If you see a snake and you think I should pick that up, you got a different problem. <laughs> you need help. That's what you need. The Bible talks about the best, you know, the Bible tells you about the, and I would love to preach on it, but the Bible tells you about the best fear you can have. It's called the fear of the Lord. But now that's different because that word fear, whether you're in the Hebrew or in the Greek, essentially means awe, wonder, and reverence, respect, honor. Meaning, mean I honor and revere and respect God so much. And Proverbs, Solomon, the widest man ever lived, said that's where wisdom begins. When you realize, come on, check this, when you realize he is God and you are not. Beginning of wisdom right there. Right. So, so there, there, I mean, there can be... There can be some, some good fears. <laughs> and, and I need to say this, and I need to say this too. And I'm all, this is all foundation because I got to do a little teaching. So we're just, are you with me? You do need to understand going back to Proverbs where it says, you know, if you see, you know, paraphrasing, you know, giving an example. If you see a, a, a tornado coming and you choose to shelter, well, that we'd say that was fear, but that was wisdom. And here's what I need you to understand. And this is so key. Because there can be a correlation between fear and wisdom, we have to understand that sometimes the enemy works in fear and convinces you it's wisdom. That sometimes fear masquerades as wisdom. For instance, maybe the Holy Spirit is prompting you to talk to someone about your faith or even, let's say, talk to your boss and share your faith with them. But you in wisdom say, well, if I did that, it could hurt my promotion and that could hurt my family and all of that. So I'm calling it wisdom when truthfully it was fear of man. Are you with me? So we have to have discernment from the Holy Spirit because fear will put on a mask of wisdom. Just like right now in our economy, I think a lot of people are struggling, you know, financially. And certainly I understand. I go to the grocery store too. I'm with you too. I go to the fuel pump too. And, and fear could actually say, stop giving. Don't give. Don't tithe. Don't give because you need to hang on to what you have in case it gets worse. And that sounds wise. That makes sense to me in the natural thinking. But truthfully, he is cutting you off from the supernatural blessing and power of God to provide for you because the Bible says when we give, when we tithe, he opens the windows of heaven and he pours out blessing. There's not room enough to receive and, and he fills our barns full and all these promises. And so it sounds wise. Fear could say, well, right now you're so busy and it's going to tax your family too much to be in a life group or tax your family too much to be on a serve team. And, and it sounds wise, but honestly, it's just fear and imagination. 
And so we have to have the discernment to understand that, that fear sometimes wears a mask. Now, Paul is talking to Timothy, and Paul says, God has not given us a spirit of fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear. What that tells me, number one, you need to know this. We'll come back to this. But number one, that tells me God never works with fear. If it's fear, God's not in it. God doesn't guide by fear, right? God doesn't lead by fear because fear drives. God leads, right? And so God doesn't work using fear. Fear is not a tool of the Lord. So if it's fear, let's just be real clear. If it's fear, it's not God. Are you with me? Now, what I want to do today is I think in the Bible, in fact, I'm going to show you this. There are two, there categorically, there are two categories of fear. Categorically, probably everyone deals with one of these categories and many people, and I think especially in our world today, are dealing with the other category. And I want to show you what it is. So let me tell you, and then I'm going to teach you. Okay. So, so categorically, there is the emotion of fear that all of us are going to deal with, and it's based on stimuli. But categorically, and we're going to get to this one second, so we're going to come back to this. When Paul's talking to Timothy, he's not talking about the emotion of fear. He's talking about a spirit of fear, right? So those are not, those are not the same thing. And so I want to try to explain that because you need to know, and you need to know the difference. Are you ready? And I, by the way, the Word of God tells us how to overcome each. Both of them have to be overcome, but you don't overcome them the same way. Are you with me? So, so let's, let's jump back then. We, we're going to get back to Timothy. That's where we started because remember, God has called Timothy to do something great, but he's not doing it because he, there's a spirit, right? There's spirit at work. There's fear, and he's pulled back, coward, uh, faint-hearted. That has had that kind of effect on him. Okay, so let's, let's, let's pause there. I'm going to get to that because that's where I want to end. So I'm going to come back, and let me teach you just a minute about the emotion of fear, which most people in here are familiar with, right? Because you've, you've experienced the emotion of fear. All right, so, so let's talk about that because the Word of God speaks to that. So 1 John, look at this verse. 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, very famous or familiar passage. It says this, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. All right, there is no fear in love. Now, how do I know the difference between there is no fear in love and God has not given us a spirit of fear? Well, obviously, one is paired with a spirit, but also the Greek words that are used for fear. Because you had to understand, remember the New Testament is written in Greek. I know this morning while you were having your Greek yogurt, you were like, oh, I hope the pastor talks about Greek today. Like this fit and fresh Greek yogurt, it's just, it's this vanilla yogurt is just the best thing I've ever had. It's in my steel oats. Praise the Lord. I'm just thanking God for it. And while I'm eating my Greek yogurt, I feel smarter. I hope he talks about Greek words. And, and I would say Merry Christmas. And so the, the word that we just read in John is different than the word we'll get back to in Timothy. He said, he said, you know, perfect love, there is no fear in love. That word fear in, in the Greek, because remember the New Testament was written in Greek. And so, like, for instance, the reason, the reason we study this, by the way, you can go to the Strong's Concordance, it's because you want to understand the Word of God. And we understand that the English Bible we have, or if you have a Spanish Bible or whatever language you may have, it's, it's a translation, right? It's a translation. Um, and so 
they're good trans. I'm not saying they're, you know, they're, they're bad translations. I'm just saying for me, I want to get down to what did God talk about? So I want to go back to the language he originally put it in. Are you with me? And so in the Greek language, it's more expressive. So there are multiple words for fear, just like there are five different words for love. In your Bible, it's always love, but there are five different Greek words. Right? There's phileo, there's agape, you know, there's different words. And, and so in this word, in 1 John, John uses the word phobos. It's P-H-O-B-O-S. The B has kind of a V sound, phobos. And, but if you think about the way that looks, P-H-O-B, phobia, right? So this is actually the, the root word where we get our English word phobia, right? Or fear, right? And so John is actually, though, he is talking about there is no fear in love. Fear and love are opposites. They're opposite emotions. The opposite of fear is love. And so he is talking about the emotion we experience, the experience that we have in our souls, in our lives. And he said, hey, there is no fear, phobos, in love. That, that word fear actually means to cause to fear or to put to flight, meaning something happened and now I feel afraid. Right? Most of us understand how this is. I get a report from a doctor. I feel afraid. Someone doesn't answer their phone. All of a sudden, I'm concerned or afraid that something's happened. And so there's like a stimuli. It can be something I think or something that happens and I experience. It causes me to fear. It causes me to be afraid. And we have to understand that the enemy, this is one of the way he works. He wants you to be afraid. He, he causes you to interpret things as as fear or something to be scared of. And ultimately, why? Because he wants you to live a life based on fear. Better yet, he wants you to make decisions based on fear. Write it down. Any decision based on fear is wrong. God doesn't lead with fear. God doesn't want us to live based on fear, right? And so any decision made from fear is going to be wrong. And then you could, you could write this down. Any decisions, decisions continually based on fear will lead me to bondage. Because John says God's not giving us a spirit of fear. I'm sorry, that was Timothy. John says perfect love casts out fear. But remember what Paul said to the Romans. Um, he said, you didn't receive the spirit of bondage again unto fear. One version says you didn't receive a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. And he correlates fear and bondage. He connects the two. Because if you think about it, a life controlled by fear is a life in bondage. And, and we're going to talk about a spirit of fear in a minute, but right now you can be controlled by the emotion of fear. You can have chronic worry. I had a grandmother, y'all, and she was a professional at worrying. She could worry about everything. She worried about anything. She worried all the time. She was just good at worrying, right? I remember, I think I've told this before, but I remember one of the first mission trips I ever went on was to the Philippines. And my mom said, well, you're going to have to go tell your granny. I ain't going to tell her. You're going to have to go tell her because you know granny's going to worry. And I said, okay. So I went over to granny and said, you know, granny, I'm, I'm going on a mission trip to the Philippines. She said, oh, honey, 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 why would, why, she was usually like, why in the world would you go? I'm like, well, Granny, I just feel like God's prompted me. I just want to go over. I want to preach, you know, share the good news, you know, that kind of thing. She said, honey, honey, why would you go? That's why we pay the missionaries. 
We pay the missionaries so my, my baby doesn't have to go across the world. We pay the missionaries. Can we just give an offering and you stay home? This is professional work. And the problem is when, when you know, we can, we can make light of worry, but worry can be a controlling thing. Right? Because worry is fear in diapers. Worry, let me say it this way. Worry is baby fear that grows up. And when Paul's talking, I'm sorry, when John is talking, let me get these straight. He said that the secret of living a life without fear is not in being more courageous in yourself, but in receiving more of God's love. Like this is how we overcome. So here's what neuroscience tells us. Yes, we talked about Greek. Now let's talk about neuroscience because I know all the things you were thinking about this morning while you're having your Captain Crunch. Neuroscience tells us, and this is not Christian neuroscience, this is just neuroscientist. Neuroscience tells us that every thought that you have in your head is rooted in only one of two sources or one of two things. Every thought is either rooted in fear or in love. Now, what God would tell you, and this is the truth, you were created for love, we learn fear. Remember Adam and Eve? Created for love. They didn't know what fear was until sin entered the world. And then they heard God, the one person you shouldn't be afraid of. And they were uh, afraid. First place you find fear in the Bible is after the fall. They've created love. We learn fear because we're in a fallen world. Are you, are you tracking with me? So every thought in your head is based in love or fear. And they think about trees, like, like trees, they grow trees. So, so the basis of every thought, not just what you think, but how you think is fear or love. So the way this works is, you know, for instance, those thoughts grow up. They grow trees. They grow ways of thinking. This is all neuroscience. The bottom line, this is why someone cannot answer your text or your phone call. And in four minutes, you've gone from they didn't answer the call till you're at the funeral. Because you care about them, right? And they, they're, not, they're not picking up. Oh, no, something's happening. This and this and this. And then all of a sudden, you grow this tree. So It's like miracle grow. It grows so fast. And it went from they didn't respond to a text till you're at the funeral crying. And it happened fast. When truthfully, their phone was just dead. And they call you back five minutes later. Like, hey, I had to get a charger. Right, Because it's the way fear works. And, and so what John is saying, he said, perfect love cast out. And so, by the way, that word love is the God kind of love. Most people, if you know Greek, it's agape. Or if you've ever heard a Greek word, agape, that's what it is. So it's the love that comes from God. He has his own Greek word for his love, agape. And so it's the, that perfect love expels, pushes out, or drives fear. So here's what John is telling us. If, you're, if you are bound up by the emotion of fear, if you're experiencing the emotion of fear constantly, if you're being controlled by the emotion of fear, if you're staying up thinking about things and, and fear has got you, you don't need to be stronger. You don't need to be more courageous. You need to be more convinced of the love of God. Now that is not your job either. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. The love of God is poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, Paul said in Romans 5. Are you with me? So now getting love, getting fear out of my life is not about like, like you can think about it this way. Perfect love casts out fear. You can say it this way. Perfect love displaces 
it displaces fear. In other words, the more I'm filled with the love of God and the more I let the love of God reframe my thoughts, not just what I think, but how it's not enough to think I, I, God loves me. I have to think this way. I got a doctor's report. It seems questionable and I could let fear build a tree in my head or I could say, you know what, God? I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know you hold tomorrow. I don't know what's going to happen, but I know you're going to be with me. You know the number one thing in the Bible that is coupled with don't be afraid or do not fear? I am with you. It's the number one thing coupled with it. It has multiple times throughout the scripture. Don't be afraid. Why? I am with you. Fear not. Why? I am with you. Be not dismayed. Why? I am with you and I will strengthen you and I will bear you up with my righteous right hand. And so what happens is when something happens, stimuli, thought, whatever it is, if I immediately capture the thought, come on, Paul talked about pulling down every thought, right? That's in opposition to the knowledge of God. Well, a fearful thought is in opposition to the knowledge of God because God loves me. So if I grab that thought and say, wait a second, before I let that tree go, before that thing grows up, I'm going to start with God loves me and God is for me and God is with me and God knows what's coming and I'll trust in God and I'll receive God. Thank you that you love me and I don't know what's going to happen, but I know you're going to be with me and I know you love me and I know you have good plans and you have a future and there is hope. And are you with me? And I changed that. What would it be? What would it be? I'm excited. What would it be? If right now that thought, that fear that just keeps running away with you, what if you immediately grabbed that and reframed it based on the love of God? Like whatever it is, like I'm probably going to lose my job. What if you're going to get a promotion? I'm, I'm probably going to lose my job. doesn't matter. Your job's not your provider. Your God is. God didn't say your job was the supplier of all your needs. I mean, Paul didn't say your job was the supplier of all your needs. He said God was the supplier of all your needs. And what if you say, oh, God, you love me and you're going to provide for me. You love me, God, and you're going to take care of me. Kind of like David said, God is my light and my salvation. Of whom shall I fear? God is the stronghold of my life. Of whom should I be afraid? And what would it be like to take whatever fear you're dealing with and take it to God and say, I'm going to reframe this and I'm going to start with the love of God in this situation and I'm going to think that way. Are you with me? And I'm going to receive. You know, sometimes, can I just say this? A lot of things would be cured in your heart and life if you could really be convinced that God loves you. And I don't know about you, but I've been very guilty in my life of talking God out of loving me. Because I know all the stuff. I know where all the bodies are buried, y'all. Th those are figurative, not literal. <laughs> I can see that blowing up. <laughs> Viral video, dear God, it's the mafia. <laughs> anyway, no. But I'm saying, I, you will talk God out. I have talked God out of like, well, God, you love them, but they're not as bad as me. They haven't messed up like I've messed up. They don't have the problems and the issues. And we will try to talk God out of loving us. Isn't that crazy? And what would it be if we just stepped back and realized that love is not love, God is love. And God doesn't love me because I'm lovable. God loves me because he is love. It's the only thing he knows how to do. 
there is no hate in God. God only loves. And what if I just stop and say, well, I'll just let him love me. I'm a hot mess, but I'm going to let him love me. I've made some mistakes, but I'm going to let him love let him. Love. And tomorrow, if I mess up, I'm just going to let him love me anyway. What if I just became convinced herein is love, not that I loved God. See, we keep thinking the love of God is reciprocated to us based on our love for him. But that's not what the Bible says. Scripture says herein is, herein is love, not that we loved him, but he loved us and gave his son as the atoning sacrifice sacrifice for our sin. Love starts with him, not us. And what if you just let him love you? And then you took that thought that had been plaguing you and you just pulled that tree up and said, I'm going to start over with the love of God right here. And I'm going to start thinking about this situation or whatever's going on or whatever I'm walking through, starting with the love of God. That's what what I think John's telling us. Perfect love cast out fear. Perfect love cast out fear. But that's the... um, the emotion of fear. But let's talk about something else. Talk about spirit of fear. Now, last week I talked about um, spiritual warfare. We talked about how there is a devil and there are demons. And we don't want to glorify demons. We're not here to certainly to get all into that. We just, we just want to expose the demons enough to get them in our crosshairs and then nuke those bad boys. Are you with me? Are you with me? That's all we want to talk. But we need to do this because what Paul tells Timothy says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. Think about what the, what the admission is there. There is a spirit of fear. In fact, by the way, your Bible names 16 different fear, or, sorry, 16 different spirits by name that are not the Holy Spirit and not Lucifer or anything like that. 16 different spirits. I mean, there's a spirit of lying. There's a spirit of haughtiness. There's a spirit of whoredoms, but that's a different message. That's one about Tinder. But anyways, um, come on, y'all. We're just having fun today. We're just having fun. <laughs> that just hit different, didn't it? Oh, Jesus, Jesus, oh, Lord. But this is one of those 16 because he said this is a spirit of fear. So Paul is telling us there is a spirit. In fact, he is implying that Timothy is not dealing with just an emotion of fear, but Timothy is dealing with a, a demonic warfare a spirit of fear. In fact, the word that Paul uses for fear, remember we talked about John uses the word phobos. Paul uses uh, delia. Delia is, a, or delios, depending on which tense it is. But it's the word delia. And, and Paul uses that word. Now this word, remember the other one said, uh, phobos was to cause fear. Delia actually means um, faint-heartedness, timidity, and terror and cowardice. It's stronger. It's a stronger word. It's not used as often. And so Paul is saying, hey, there is a spirit that is producing faint-heartedness, timidity. It is terrorizing and causing you to pull back and to shrink back. And so he is not talking about just an emotion. That's something going on inside of us. And the enemy can use that for sure. But that's something that's, we're made emotional. And fear is in the world. It happens. And so we experience it. We experience it in our soul. We experience it in our emotion. We experience it because of our minds, et cetera. But now he's talking about this spiritual attack. This spiritual attack. And, and this is a spirit. Now, you got to understand because it's a spirit, it looks different. How do I tell the difference? How, how can I know the difference? Well, when you're talking about the emotion of fear, you're talking about there's a stimuli. It could be a thought or something that happens. And, and it's an emotion. that and, and then that causes you to be afraid. And that's an emotion that you feel. This is something different. This is something that takes control. Number one is how you know a spirit. Number one, it takes control. It's control in my life. 
That's what, do you know every demonic spirit is trying to take control of your life? Do you know that? This is what makes the demonic very different than God because the Holy Spirit doesn't want control of your life. That may shock you. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is self-control. The Holy Spirit, by the grace of God, gives you the power to control your own life. So God is trying to empower you to be responsible and take control of your own life, right? Satan wants control. And so he wants to control your life. And so when you're talking about a spirit, if, if all of a sudden this, this spirit is taking control and taking over, like, like for instance, the, the Gadarean boy who was in the tombs, it said, in other words, he hung out at the cemetery and he would cut himself and cry out in pain and, and, and all of that. He was not in control of his life. He was demonized for sure, but he was not in control of his life. You remember that? If not, I just told you. So you can just honestly say, oh, yeah, I remember. You just told me. Yeah. It's Gadarean boy, right? Jesus crosses over the, the, the Sea of Galilee. There's Gadarean, Gadarean, right? Gadarean boy. He's in the tombs, cutting himself, crying out, harming himself, throwing himself in the fire. Are you with me? Here's a great thing. Can I just tell you the great thing? Even the devil can't keep you from coming to Jesus because as demonized as that boy was when he saw Jesus, the Bible said he ran and he came and he bowed at his feet. Come on, on his best day, the devil is no, nowhere near and equal with God. Are you with me? Then there was a lady, remember the lady Jesus preaching in the synagogue? And there was a lady, she was, she was doubled over and she couldn't straight up, straighten up. And most people would say that Jesus healed her, but that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says he cast out a spirit of infirmity. It's another spirit that's named. In other words, her health problem wasn't a health problem. It was a spiritual attack. I want to take a picture at the way everybody's looking at me like now. Because <laughs> everybody's like. I think for me, where I've gotten to in my old age, in this point, in this juncture, the way God is speaking, I don't want to just, how do I say this? I want to be nice. I don't have a rah-rah message where we pretend like we're winning. What I have is this is how you really win, and we are spiritual beings that are, that are involved in a spiritual war, and you have authority over the enemy, and you need to understand how to win and how to win spiritually instead of just you don't have to fake it till you make it. Jesus made it. You can win. Are you with me? So... The truth of the matter is, if you've got prolonged and ongoing illness that doctors can't figure out and doesn't make sense and you're always having symptoms of, the, it could be, I'm not saying it is, but it could be a spirit. You could be in a spiritual war with a spirit of infirmity because it happened in the Bible. You're like, this is so weird. Talk to Jesus. He's the one that cast it out. Right? It says he, he listen. Okay said he drove out the spirits with a word. We're going to come back to that. So, so, so this, this spirit wants to, to gain control. It also, tor so control, torment, can't sleep, mind running out of control, paralyzed, anxiety, anxious, can't deal, can't cope, can't live. Like, like this may not be an emotion at this point. Are you with me? That's not a normal emotion. We all, we all experience the emotion of fear. But if I'm tormented day and night, that's not an emotion. That's something more. Are you with me? Then the, then the third symptom is a foreboding. 
A sense of foreboding. What does that mean? It means everything can be fine, but in fact, when everything is fine, this is what you hear. It's all going to go bad tomorrow. It's an anticipation. It's like a dark cloud that's all over you where you never can enjoy the goodness of God. You can't enjoy the blessings of God. You can't have fun with your family. You can't go on a date with your spouse because you are constantly anticipating something bad. That's what foreboding is. And that's a mark of a spirit of fear because fear will come to you and it will say, yeah, it's all good today, but tomorrow. Remember the last time? And, and then foreboding will say things like, this, it always goes this way with you. If it can happen, it's gonna happen to you. Like everybody else cannot have this, but you're gonna have this. And like I said, even on a day when there's no problem, it's that sense that, well, tomorrow there's gonna be a problem. Just prepare yourself, just get ready. Like you need to understand that it's a spirit. Now, why do we say it's important to understand? Because spirits talk. Now, I'm in, let me pause and be careful. So let me walk the line of balance. I'm not suggesting we go get in conversations with spirits. Okay, that's dumb. That's not what we do. Remember, we just get them out enough to get the crosshair on them, blow them up, right? That's all we're trying to do. We're not trying to make a buddy. People are like, well, I was talking with demons. You're an idiot. Don't be going to psychics and card readers and palm readers. It's all demonic. We don't got this all. This is, stay away from that business, man. Listen, it's okay to fight the, the war that you're in, but don't go looking for one. You know what I'm saying? I mean, okay. But spirits talk to you. In fact, you can say it this way. They prophesy. They prophesy. Because the spirit of God, he wants to prophesy. He wants to tell you God has plans. He has a hope. He has a future. He has a calling. He has a purpose. Greater is he that's within you than he that's in the world. He wants to prophesy, right? Your family will be saved. You will overcome. Like, you will be healthy. You will be healed. You will be whole. Like, he wants to prophesy. But fear is going to prophesy. Now, why does fear prophesy? Because the power of life and death is in the tongue. Not in his tongue, in yours. See, Remember Jesus said, I, have, I give you all authority. So demonic spirits don't have authority. So they want to use yours. They don't have authority, but you do. So they actually want to use your tongue to kill your life. Remember what I said? We're just getting them out of right there. Ooh, we're hunting today. And so what a spirit of fear does is it starts prophesying to you. And it will tell you that you're going to lose, right? It'll tell you you're going to lose your kid or you're going to lose your family. You're going to lose your business, that you're going to be sick, that you're going to die. And all that, that spirit's trying to do is to get you to say it. The power of life and death is in the tongue. And he who loves it will eat its fruit. That's the word of God. And not only is it the word of God, it's a spiritual law. Are you with me? A spiritual law. And so he knows I don't have authority, but you do. So if I can hijack your tongue and get you to prophesy over your life, it will create a self-fulfilling prophecy that's demonic, a curse, if you will, a word curse over your life. And I, this is what fear says. Fear says, I'll use the authority God's given you against you if I can just get you to say what I'm saying. And that's why he talks. 
right? And, and he talks, he talks a lot. So how do we overcome, how do we overcome a spirit of fear? Well, remember what we said is, is if it's an emotion of fear, then we got to be filled with love and let love reframe how we think, right? That's what we said. But Paul tells us how to deal with a spirit of fear. It's right here in your Bible. Because see, this is what I do when God, he, you know, it's like, a, it's like a, I hate to call it a treasure hunt, but I don't know what else we're doing. It's like God will show me something and then I'm like, okay, God, like I've, I've, what I'm teaching today, I've never, I've never even heard it taught. And I tried to find it on YouTube. Nobody taught this, but I'm convinced it's right. And, and because I've never heard it, I had to learn it. And because I had to learn it, I didn't know it, which means I had to sit with God and read the Bible 100,000 times this verse, 100,000 asking God, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. He finally said, shut up and listen. I said, like, okay. And so he said, look right here. <laughs> and I said, because the way, if it's emotion of fear, I want to be filled with love and let love reframe my mind. But if I've got a spirit of fear, I, I got to deal with it differently. And he tells Timothy right here how to deal with it differently. Look at verse five. It's key. Verse five and seven are key. So verse five, he says this, look at this. Timothy, because Timothy, what? He's cowered back in fear, not doing what God created him to do, not fulfilling his destiny. Verse five, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith, everybody say faith. Okay, the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and also in Eunice, I am persuaded. Remember I said radically convinced. I, this is what Paul said. I'm radically convinced you have faith. In other words, how do I overcome a spirit of fear? Faith. I have to believe. Now, what do I have to believe? Because remember, we need faith that does something, active faith, right? We don't just need belief, if you will, but we need active faith. So he said, he basically said, I'm stirring up faith in you, right? That gift that was in you by the laying on my hands, I'm, I'm persuaded and convinced you have faith. I'm stirring up faith in you. Are you with me? So why do I, how do I use my faith? How do I activate my faith? Well, he gives us three things that I have to believe, right? Three things that I have to believe for God has not given you a spirit of fear, but you must believe you have power. You must believe you have love and you must believe you have a sound mind. So this is where the activity of faith has to happen to overcome fear. Number one, I have to believe I have power. What do I have power? I have power over the fear, uh, the spirit of fear. I have to believe that all authority has been given to Jesus and he gave me power over all the work of the enemy. Are you with me? So I, by the way, that word in the Greek is dunamis. Most people know that's like, you know, spiritual power, fervor, all those things. All right, so, so here's what he's saying. He's like, Timothy, I know there's faith. Let's start with faith. And here's how we're going to release our faith. We're going to take authority over all the power of the enemy. We have power over all the power of the enemy. Now, I need to tell you how to do this. It might freak you out, but this is what we need to do. The way you take authority over a spirit is you talk to it. The authority in the, of the believer is in the spoken word. Right? The way you release faith is by what you say. This goes back to the teaching of Jesus in Mark chapter 11. He said, if, if you say to this mountain, be removed and cast in the sea. What's he saying? He's saying, have faith in God. Say to the mountain. In other words, the way I release faith is by the words that I say. Why do you think the prophet lion spirit wants to get you to talk to release fear? Because he knows fear gives Satan access to your life and faith gives God access to your life. And your, your words are the gateway that determines what goes in and out. I'm trying. Veins popping out, losing my voice. What do you think I'm trying to do up here? Good Lord. Go big or go home, everybody. And so you need to understand the way you release faith is by what you say. 
right? Hebrews said, we'll hold fast, or Romans, Paul, we'll hold fast the confession of our faith. Well, that's something that I say, right? And so when this way he's saying, Timothy, you have to believe you have authority over the enemy. And so if you've got a spirit of fear, you say, well, what do I do? You say, fear, go in the name of Jesus. I have authority. You've got to do what I say. You don't have a choice. Submit to God, resist the devil, he will flee. Remember we talked about this? Right? So fear, go. You use your words. The authority of believers in the tongues, in the mouths, what we say. So he said, you have to believe, number one, you have power. Now, here's, here's the principle. When fear leaves, you got to fill that up with something. Okay? I'm going to teach you how to win spiritually today. Are you with me? Jesus said in Matthew 12, Mark 11, he talks about when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, it'll go looking for a place to rest. And if it can't find one, it'll come back to the man and it'll find his house has been cleaned. And not only will he come back in, but he'll go get his homies. Right? This, but you're like, this is weird teaching. This is what Jesus talked about all the time. I think we've been talking about the wrong stuff in church. We've been talking about how to have a good day. We need to talk about how to take over the world. You know what I'm saying? And so what, this is where we go back to what John was saying, because the principle is saying, I have to believe that I have a power of the enemy. That's why I said power and then love. I have to believe God loves me. In other words, I got to feel where I just expelled, where I got that spirit out, I got to get something else in. Does that make sense? So I have to believe in the love of God. In fact, John says this two verses earlier, 1 John 4, 16, he said, and we have known and believed the love God has for us. God is love and who abides in love abides in God and God in him. In other words, this is, this is how we're filled with the love of God. We believe it. And so here's, so how do we overcome spirit of fear? Go in Jesus name. Now God, fill me with your love. Convince me of your love. Let the Holy Spirit pour love all in those gaps where fear was trying to get in or fear was in, where fear was working. I want, I want love in me. I want to be full of the love of God, right? So that's how, that's how you overcome. So, so you take authority over fear, and then you get filled with love. And then Paul doesn't stop there because he knows fear is going to come back. Everybody say he's going to come back. So then he said you have a sound mind because this is the maintenance of victory. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but power. You have authority. Love. Be filled with it. Sound mind. Watch what you think. The promise of Scripture is not a sick mind. It's a sound mind. And he said, you have to have a sound mind, meaning this is what you need to understand. I choose how I think. I choose how I think. Now, we have a default, and a lot of times fear can be our default, but we can capture every thought, pull down those strongholds, and reframe it with love. But we change how we think. This is why when God says, fear not, the only reason he could say, fear not, I mean, that's a commandment. Well, he can't give you a commandment if you don't have a choice. He can only give you a commandment if you have a choice. In fact, if God gives you a command, it's because he gives you the grace to carry it out. He does not give you a command without giving you the power to carry it out. So when he says, fear not, he's like, fear not. Why? Because I love you. Now you make the right decision. That's why David said, I will not fear. How can he say, I will not fear? Because it was his choice. Right? After I get fear out of my life and I'm filled with the love of God, now, now, I'm choosing how I think. And when I feel fear trying to work its way in, I'm reframing that with the love of God. I'm taking captive every thought. 
I'm trusting that God is the stronghold. You know, David said this, and I quoted earlier, but he said, God is the, God is, um, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? That's the Greek word yari. And they said, the Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? That's the Greek word pahad. They're not the same. They're, they're both words for fear, but they're not the same. The first one is an emotion of fear, essentially. I'm going to paraphrase because I have time to take through everything. The first one, I, you know, who will I fear? Whom shall I fear? That's like the emotion of fear. The second one is terror. And here's what David's saying. Whether it's an emotion or a work of the enemy, God is my light and my salvation, and I will not fear. I'm not going to take the bait of fear. I'm going to reframe it. I'm going to receive love. I'm going to realize if God is with me, then who can be against me? Are you with me? So how do you overcome fear? All right, just so we're clear. If it's an emotion, I got to be filled with love and let love change what I'm, the basis of what I'm thinking. But if it's spirit, I take authority over it. I feel, get filled with love and then I discipline my mind. Are you with me? You, listen, you, you can conquer your fear. Come on, give Jesus praise today. Give Jesus praise. Give Jesus praise today. Why don't you stand with me? I'm going to ask our prayer team to come. And if you need to move around, move around now really quickly because I want to pray specifically for those dealing with fear. And if you don't need to move around, just hang out, just stay still. Like two minutes, we're going to be out of here, okay? It's all going to work out. And we have a prayer team, and we want to pray with anyone who needs prayer today. If you need a relationship with God, if you need to be forgiven, if you need to be a new creation in Him, and you know, and that's something going on in your heart, and God's speaking to you, we want you to come. But if you need healing, you need a miracle, you need God to move, whatever it is, we want to pray with you. But before we do that, and if you're online, we can pray with you online. You can text pray with me to 94,000. We'll pray with you. But before we do that, I want to ask you to bow your head, and we're going to pray. And we're specifically going to pray over fear today. Holy Spirit, we just thank you right now that you're in this room and you're moving. That you're in this room and you're moving, God. And today is a day of freedom for some people in this room. Today is a day of freedom. You've exposed the enemy. And God, we have authority and we have power and we have victory through Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, I thank you that today, God, today is a day of freedom. With their heads bowed, no one's looking around. I don't want to in any way embarrass anyone, so I'm not going to call you out. But I just want to, I just want you to do this. If you need prayer, if you're dealing with fear, it doesn't matter which category, whatever. If you're dealing with fear, you want God to move in your life, just put your hand up and you can put it right back down. This is more for God where you're saying, God, that's me. I want you to work right here, God. That's me. Yeah, hands up everywhere. I see them. I'm going to pray. I believe this is a day of freedom for us today. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, God, for the freedom that we have in Jesus. It is for freedom that Christ has made us free. God, you didn't give us a spirit which leads to bondage, but you gave us the spirit of adoption where we cry, our Father. And Father, I know you're in this room and you're bringing freedom to your kids. So right now, in the name of Jesus, Lord, the enemy has been exposed. And I pray right now for freedom in the name of Jesus. I pray, God, where we have dealt with the emotion of fear today, flood our hearts with the love of God. Lord, I just pray for a fresh baptism of love for every person in this room, every person dealing with fear. God, that the Holy Spirit would pour out the love of God in our hearts, as your word says. And Lord, 
we are persuaded and convinced that you love us. It doesn't matter how we feel. It doesn't even matter what we think. What we know today by the truth of the Word of God is, God, you are passionately, radically in love with each of us. And, God, we receive and believe in the love of God today. And, Lord, I pray right now for those dealing with a spirit of fear. Oh, God, I thank you that we have authority over all the power of the enemy. And so, Lord, right now, I just speak. People are never going to be the same after this moment. And, God, right now, I speak to the spirit of fear that is tormenting, that is controlling, that is plaguing, that is prophesying to people and lying to them. God, I speak to fear. You've been exposed today. And in the name of Jesus, go. Every spirit of fear, go in Jesus' name. Go out and away. Go in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for freedom. And again, Lord, we, we, we ask for to be filled with the love of God today. Lord, where that fear is leaving, where that dread, where that foreboding is going, it's broken in the name of Jesus. Lord, now fill with love, replace, backfill it, Lord, with the love of God, being persuaded, God, that you love us. And now, God, I just pray for soundness of mind soundness of mind today. Let us reframe our thoughts based on the love of God. Lord, I thank you today for freedom. I thank you today for freedom. Everybody just say this, never the same in Jesus' name. Never the same in Jesus' name. I am free in Jesus' name. God loves me. Come on, say it. God loves me. I am convinced that God loves me, and I'll never be the same in Jesus' name. Come on, give Jesus praise today. Give Jesus praise. Lord, we thank you, God, for working today, for working in our lives, for bringing freedom, for bringing hope, for bringing life. Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name. Listen, if you need prayer, I want to invite you to come and get prayer. Everyone else, I say a big God bless you. I love you. Make sure you get your kids. Join us for prayer if you can. Have a great week. Listen, God did not create you to take it. He created you to take over. Go take over your world. God bless you. We love you. Hey, Pastor Marty here from Pathway Church, and I just want to say thank you for joining us, and I want to encourage you to get connected and stay connected, and there's several ways you can do that. Number one, you can download the Pathway app, and we are all the time offering resources and information on that app for you. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel, and if you do, make sure you click the bell so that you never miss any life-giving and life-changing content as we add it to the channel, and then also... Uh, make sure you follow us on social media, on Instagram, on Facebook. Look, our hope and heart for you is that you walk in the purpose for which God made and created and redeemed you for. We love to connect people to purpose. We thank you for giving us this opportunity. And if you're ever in Longview or you are in Longview, I'd love to invite you to join us in person each weekend. Listen, I pray God's best for your life. I believe if you follow Jesus, your best is ahead.